0: What kind of people are we? I am in radio contact. What kind of people are we? Attention, crew. This is your captain, Caliban, speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. San Diego Comic-Con was last weekend, and though the four-day event always provides a cornucopia of news about what's coming up in the world of nerdy entertainment, this week we're looking at what we learned about Star Trek Discovery from this year's SDCC. There's a lot to talk about, some new stuff, some confirmations of what we already expected, and we should get right to it, so let's get underway. Before we get into our discovery coverage, our discovery? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to admonish you, if you haven't yet, to go online and check out the new Star Trek Discovery trailer that debuted at Comic-Con. It's amazing, and if you haven't seen it, you should, mostly because I'm going to talk about it right now. The new trailer is action-packed, and it really starts to fill in some of the holes concerning what the series will be about and what the initial conflicts will be as the show begins, and there are some very telling visuals to be seen. At the beginning of the trailer, a character, presumably series lead Michael Burnham, talks about how all life comes from chaos, but we know chaos. Chaos can claim life as well, and we see a Starfleet ship, the USS Europa, being torn apart by something, uh, an explosion, or, or an impact. The Europa has never been seen on screen before, but a Europa appears in a Trek book set in the TNG era, uh, but that's not this one, and so that's worrying for the start of this show. We also see a young Klingon getting stomped by a group of other young Klingons in a scene reminiscent of the young Spock getting beat up in the 2009 Star Trek film. It seems to be a safe assumption that that scene is a flashback in the life of Takuvma, the leader of the Klingons in Discovery, and is probably a formative event for him. It would be for me. We then see Burnham behind a pair of force fields that are they're kind of sticking out of the side of the ruined hull of a ship. We're not sure what's one, so that situation could be better. We get a good look at the Shenzhou flying away from a planet where there's a huge Starfleet insignia in the dirt or sand of the planet's surface. I think we're supposed to assume that Burnham and Captain Giorgio made that insignia when we see them uh, walking in the desert-looking landscape in the earlier trailer. And the VO in the trailer at that point says something like, you're lost, but then you're found. So <laughs> I guess they ran out of minutes on their communicators and they had to improvise. Smart thinking. We also see what's presumably the Shensho fighting Klingons, like a lot of Klingons. It's a little hard to make out in the darker scenes of the trailer and with the new ship designs. Um, it's not exactly clear, but it does seem to be the Shensho in a pitched battle with Klingons and the ship sustains heavy damage, something that seems to be confirmed late in the trailer when there's a quick shot of escape pods launching from the Shensho. Bad news. We also see Burnham doing a data, uh, the commander data that is, uh, opening a force field out to space and then trying to float or fly to another part of the damaged ship, which is not recommended but definitely sets her up as somebody who is going to do what she's got to do to succeed. Uh, More on that later. What happened to your spacesuit, Michael? We do see her spacesuit get damaged at the end of the trailer, but it's interesting to note that there's like an Iron Man style inside the helmet shot in the the suit that shows a heads-up graphic of the Shenzhou. Uh, so that seem, seems to take place when she's still aboard the Chancho. Uh, let's see what else. We get a shot of Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd being arch. We get a lot of space battle stuff that has the feel of the rebooted movies, uh, like rapid-fire phasers and that sort of thing. We see a group of Klingons putting a dead Klingon in a coffin-like thing, and they do a Klingon death cry, you know, the... Rah! Which, that all checks out, except Klingons don't revere the bodies of the dead. Remember, once the warrior spirit is gone, they just make a planner out of them or something, or maybe dog food. So yeah, maybe these Klingons are different. Uh, we get a look at a young Burnham being attended to by Sarek after what looks like some kind of accident. More on that later as well. We see a Federation ship ramming a much larger ship. And at this point, it looks like the Shensho might not make it out of the first couple episodes of this series. And we see Captain Lorca talking to Burnham in what looks to be a cell, uh, like in the brig maybe. Uh, he says that she, quote, chose to do the right thing. She helped start a war. That's bad news, too. So, that's a lot. The stars of Star Trek Discovery and the show's producers did a panel at SDCC hosted by Rain Wilson himself, and they talked a lot about the work that went into the show, Uh, they answered some fan questions, and they actually got to dish a little about some of the aspects of the show. It seems like the leash of secrecy at this point has been loosened a little on the production, and we found out some big-time, real-deal facts, like, you guys, Michael Burnham is totally Spock's adopted sister. Burnham loses her parents in some kind of accident, and it looks like Sarek takes her under his wing, and that's why she goes to the Vulcan Science Academy, and so on and so forth. This is a really interesting development, because it just amps up the question, what is Serik's thing for humans? Like, he marries one, twice, he's got a half-human kid, this guy just really likes humanity, I guess. It's just our roguish winning ways. Now you may ask, doesn't this make her contemporary with Spock? To which I would say... Yeah, but look, we've already recast Sarek. We don't want a young, fresh-faced, instant Spock running around this thing. (laughs) Leonard Nimoy, he looked like your dad when he was a kid. Just look it up on the internet, true story. So I'm hoping for no Spock in the show. I've never wished a Chuck Cunningham on somebody with good intent before, but there you go. Now, Cybok, on the other hand, that I want to see. Being raised by the Vulcaniest of Vulcans would definitely have an effect on one's personality, and I think that's probably what's behind the portrayal of Burnham that we've seen so far. I've been a bit unenthused by her kind of flat line readings, uh, since we know that uh, Sonequa Martin-Green isn't that kind of actress. But it makes sense that she's like that initially if her dad is Vulcan Prime. Something else to check out is that Burnham's hair is two different lengths and styles in the trailer, implying, I'm pretty sure... Uh, when it's short, she's on the Shen Show, and when it's longer, she's on the Discovery. So you can kind of figure out the timeline by looking at her hair. Uh, then we also have Lorca saying, "You know, you help start a war." Jason Isaacs might be the best actor on this show, and what does he usually play? Long-haired British bad guys. Well, bad guys really. So no long hair this time. Usually, don't want to join a character of his, and he's already talked about the character's complexities and other places. So. Here's my deductive guess as to the plot of Star Trek Discovery, and you can check this out once the show comes out, and tell me how wrong I am on Twitter later. I think that Burnham is a human raised by Vulcans who has the analytical mind of a Vulcan, but the ambition of a human. While serving as first officer aboard the show, they run into Klingons led by Takuvma, who because of his upbringing, he's looking for a fight. I mean, you know, more than a usual Klingon. They get in a tussle with the Shensho, Burnham, leaning on her Vulcan side, comes up with this amazing analytical plan to wipe them out, and it goes even better than she expected, killing a lot of Klingons and destroying most of the Shensho. Whoops. Obviously, she feels really bad about this, and she gets picked up by the Discovery. With slightly unstable Captain Lorca at the helm, he wants her to use her delicious brains to help Starfleet stab at the heart of the Empire and win the war before it starts, but she pulls back because he turns out to be nuts, and hey, she's a Starfleet officer and that's not what we do. That's my guess. We'll see if I'm right or not. But they've shown us a lot at this point, in my opinion, so I'm going to be watching any new sneak peeks through my fingers. I mentioned the SDCC panel before. In attendance were the producers of the show and some of the actors of the show, like Shahzad Latif, uh, Mary Wiseman, who revealed in an interview that her character will be roommates with Burnham on The Discovery. James Frayne was there. Doug Jones was there, and he showed off the walk he uses to play Lieutenant Saru, uh, who has hoof-like feet, Jason Isaacs was there, Sinequa Martin-Green was there, and Anthony Rapp, who plays Lieutenant Stamets, was on the show. He revealed in an exclusive at the panel that as the first openly gay character in Star Trek, he would have the first openly gay relationship on Trek, with his partner being played by Wilson Cruz, who you might know from My Soul Called Life, and, what do you know, the Broadway production of Rent. Oh, Angel, how did you end up with Mark? Ugh, Mark. We got a few more details from the panel, like the fact that the Klingons in the series will speak actual Klingon, complete with subtitles. That's from producer and showrunner Gretchen Berg. Other producer and showrunner Aaron Harberts talked about the conflict between Starfleet and the Klingons, addressing that whole, hey, why is Starfleet starting or at least forwarding a war here thing, and saying that both sides in this are going to be more ambiguous than just Klingons bad guys, we good guys. That's where I was going with my speculative summary earlier. Harbert said that the story will be more about how peace comes out of this, which I think is cool. Doug Jones also told us that the species of alien he'll be playing is called a kelpian, which I'm assuming is a reference to kelpies, which are sort of like Scottish water spirit. They're sometimes depicted as horse-like, hence the hooves. No word on whether kelpians are aquatic or can shapeshift like the kelpies of yore. Which leads me to my crabbiest segment yet, Andy Mooney's Commentary. Why don't we ever use aliens' words for themselves to name them? They don't have Kelpies on the Kelpie homeworld, do they? Yet the second we made first contact, Captain Angus O'Shaughnessy probably said, Huh, they got horse feet. Let's call this Kelpia. Uh, Excuse me, but we actually call ourselves Kelpia. Got a nice ring to it. What if the shoe was on the other foot? What if the Kelpians helped found the Federation, and on their homeworld there was a dangerously self-obsessed hairless primate called a moisty? There, we'd be moistians. And what's the deal with this Lady Gaga? Is she a woman or a baby? One more neat thing related to Discovery and San Diego Comic-Con, CBS held an exhibition of sorts at the Michael J. Wolf Fine Art Gallery there in San Diego, and they showcased some of the concept art from the new series, also costumes and props as well, like phasers and communicators and weapons. A lot of this you can see on Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, a neat detail is that The new uniforms will be, you know, they're all blue uh, and jumpsuity like Enterprise, but the colors on them will relate to the departments that the different characters are in. Also, the insignias are kind of neat looking. Um, They feature the old style department symbols like the cross for medical and so on and so forth. And the rank pips that you usually see on, say, collars and TNG actually appear in relief on the solid, like gold, presumably insignias, which I think is kind of cool. Some of the concept art shows some of the Klingon ships. Um, There's a Klingon raider ship, an obelisk ship, and a sarcophagus ship with aforementioned Klingon coffin. And the piece de la resistance was the captain's chair, which is pretty neat looking. Um, It kind of combines the original series aesthetic with something new because it's very minimalist and kind of 60s looking, but then the panels are all iPads or something like that I'm sure and adding to the coolness at the gallery uh, Sonequa Martin-Green Jason Isaacs Anthony Rapp James Frayne, Doug Jones and Mary Wiseman all showed up to hang out with fans so it's all good news really this show is realer now than it's ever been and I can't be more happy about that we are actually going to see Star Trek back on TV this September so it's time to get excited and of course we will be covering on Enterprising Individuals the new show when it comes out more info on our coverage of Star Trek Discovery soon Speaking of Star Trek Discovery, as I just was at length, here's how excited I am. I've started having Discovery dreams. I know, I know, nobody really wants to hear somebody else's dreams, but just hear me out. In the dream, I'm on the Discovery, the ship itself, but, you know, it's also the show, Discovery. You know, like, you get in dreams sometimes. And I'm in uniform, I'm a crew, or I guess a cast member, and we're all waiting for the show to start. Like, we're a little nervous, you know, we hope it's going to be good, but we're playing with all the panels and the toys, and there's just this feeling of excited anticipation. And I guess that seems like a dumb dream, but I have themed stress dreams all the time where I'm trying to record a show and it's late, <laughs> or I'm trying to get to the stage, but it's a whole spinal tap situation and I can't find it. I had that one all the time when I was an actor. So my point is, you know, this was a stress dream, but like a good one? There was still this tension of when is this thing going to start? Also, there were a lot of crew members. Like, I kind of know the crew members and the cast members like of the show now, but there were like a hundred different people, of names I had to remember. So we know where that one's coming from. But still, we were all excited and we were looking forward to the show coming out. So I think that's a good sign. Until I have another dream where I'm beamed down to an alien planet and I'm just in my underwear. Remember, listeners, you can share your dreams, clothed or no, and maybe have them read on the air. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EIST pod or find us at at EIST pod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EIST pod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello. We're waiting to receive your transmission. Here's some good news. Our live show from Convergence 2017, where we talk about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, with some special author guests, is now available on our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod, where you can hear the show. You can join our crew for as little as $1 and get access to that amazing live show. Also access to our upcoming DS9 commentaries and my Klingon Christmas Carol production diary, Plus, you get a sneak peek at upcoming shows and guests and more. Again, it's at patreon.com forward slash EIST pod. We work hard to bring you an entertaining and informative show every week. And if this was the 24th century or heck, even the 23rd century, where money didn't exist, we'd do it merely for the sense of satisfaction. But being the 21st century as it is, everything costs something. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, please check out our Patreon. We have many tiers or ranks at which you can contribute with different benefits and prizes you can get in a in addition to knowing that you're contributing to something that you love and are part of a larger community plus you get access to great subscriber content like our wrath of con live show again it's patreon.com forward slash eist pod anything you can contribute would be appreciated and would help keep us flying thanks And that is it for our supplemental episode this week of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an iTunes listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on iTunes and make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, please write a review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. If you're not on iTunes, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or on Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings on those platforms as well, we would be eternally grateful. Next time on Enterprising Individuals. It's bros before plaque toes, as Commander Spock is gripped by the curse of the adult Vulcan male, the Ponfar, and must return to Vulcan to marry or die. Author Dave Galanter joins me on our next show to examine the episode that pits Kirk and Spock against each other in a battle to the death. And jingle bells. So many jingle bells. The original series episode, Amok Time, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying...